Right, we're back here for episode 15 of the This That podcast and today we're joined by Warren Mulvey from Ireland, I believe. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm Irish myself. I'm not like some of these Americans, you know, pretending to be Irish with their great, great, great grannies. But um, yeah, I'm from I'm from Ireland myself. So it's uh, it's cool for you having me on. Thank you. Of course, mate. And I just want to highlight for the fact how quickly we've interacted and came to this point. So the way we, we got in contact is I saw you liked a single tweet on Twitter. You commented on something. I followed you. 30 minutes later, you DM'd me, and then within about a day or two, we're on, we're on calls doing podcasts. Exactly, man. Like, I, I really value speed, so I was like, look, let's, let, let's get it going. Like, um, it was weird. It was just something I seen the, I seen your Twitter, and it was like 50 podcasts in like 100 days. And of course, I do, I do my own podcast as well. So I was like, damn, this would be cool to, to see what this guy does and what he's all about. So I kind of watch, I watched a few clips, and I said, look, he sounds pretty funny. Why don't I uh, give a message and see what the crack is? <laughs> and uh, it was, it, it, it's funny. Like it's like he was like, yeah, pick a date, and I was like, yeah, I pick, I picked an hour from there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I sent him my calendar link, and I was like, oh, pick a date within the next few days, weeks. And he's like, I'll be ready an hour from there. And I was like, I fucking love this guy. That is the mentality we're looking for, man. Awesome. So I want to get into exactly. what you actually do and stuff, but that's kind of highlighted by your personality and how quick you move but to give kind of a background to everything what have you been doing the last few years and what's led up to your current role few years how i suppose we could probably just take it back to what's relevant in terms of um leaving secondary school yeah um, a lot of it was with it's regular thing for like it was the uk and and in ireland just go straight into college i always you know it kind of wasn't for myself and um, just didn't quite grasp what i really wanted to be doing so i just took the year out said, look, I'm going to get my... So, of course, this is during COVID and all that. We're forgetting that that was actually, you know, a thing. It's just funny. It's just not a thing anymore. But uh, let, let me not talk too much about that before we get your the podcast taken down. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, suppose, I suppose I'll just began taking that year out, um, getting my driver's license, kind of focusing on building up a bit of wealth, looking into, I suppose, a bit of stocks, um, trying other ways to build up a bit of money. Um, started looking to, like, dropship, bin, a few other different things that I would never have, like, put my money into. And I was like working full time like a McDonald's, grinding it out for like, you know, minimum wage and thinking it was great that I was getting 50 cents over minimum and, you know, wow. just absolutely sweat my, sweat my balls out on a, on a, <laughs> on the fryer. Like it's, um, looking back, it was, I suppose hindsight is always beautiful in that regards, but that was kind of like the first year of it. Then the second year came around where, you know, you have to, you have to choose your offers. You have to, you have to pick it again and. I didn't get what I wanted, and I ended up going towards Galway. Um, you guys will probably have no idea what that is, where that is, but it's like on the west coast of Ireland. It's a lovely college, great place, great people. It just it just didn't really click with me because I'm not really, I suppose, into drugs or into heavy drinking, and that's what a lot of college was in terms of what I was seeing anyways. And in terms of the content, I was going in and doing like a social work degree, and like a third of it was, you know, geography. Mm. why am I going I was, I was thinking why am I doing geography if I want to be helping kids in homes and place them into better situations this is this doesn't make sense at all I want to learn about rivers like <laughs> <laughs> no relevance whatsoever <laughs> no relevance just just pure filling the calendar with anything yeah let, let's just let's just put them put them in for themselves but um yeah it just didn't really resonate with myself and so I got to the stage where I was you know had a a girlfriend college and a, life just felt like it was just rolling 
just roll in, in no direction really because you do a six-year degree and you're on like 26k afterwards yeah and you know that's that's ridiculous for you know a bit over minimum wage to be doing a six-year degree it sounds ridiculous to me now thinking back and um, at first i was like yeah yeah sure i'll do five years of it and be up on 60k not knowing like 10 months from now i'll be doing more than, well more than that so, like, <laughs> <laughs> so i, I kind of just took a step back and it kind of came around to January last year when I decided, look, I'm actually going to make a change. Um, a friend of mine, his little brother, committed suicide and shaved my head for that and just gave me a different perspective. And what happened there was I, it kind of came into the new year. It was like, look, I don't want to be doing this college crack anymore. It doesn't make sense in terms of what I'm doing. If I was even to change, I wouldn't mind. And I said to my I said to my full-time job with, you know, with McDonald's, and saying that look I'm going to take you know a bit of study leave in the middle of February exams are in, are in May by the way and I was going to tell my granny look if anybody asks I'm minding you and just in, <laughs> case, just in case the college comes after me because <laughs> it was like I was paying like 250 euros a week for like and like 250 euros is like what, what four days work back then for me yeah. and 250 euros a week to be traveling up and down and staying up in a room for one hour I was yeah. like one hour in person I'm like, what is the actual point of this like I mean, it makes no sense at all everybody's just drinking all the time and i'm here up for you know my one lecture that i don't get anything from anyways yeah and when i ended up actually signing up to au pair world and mm. looking around different places i could go and i actually got two offers like within the first 30 minutes and i deleted the app i said you know what this is it? it got a bit too real all got of a bit too scary too quickly <laughs> Can yeah, I, yeah, I exactly. To, I want to dissect some of the things you said. So, you right. talked about this interest in e-commerce and stocks, and all kind of like flowered during COVID. And then you said just there about a little brother of one of your friends committing suicide, and that was one of the things that flipped that switch. Was that that pivotal moment? That you were like, "I'm actually going to make something of my life." Was that the push that you needed? No, I don't think so. Um. I think that was just like something else that just happened in the journey and mm-hmm. um, where it was, I was in college a lot more beforehand, ended up shaving my head to, for like a promotion or d- donations and, um, t- looked completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I've shaved my um, head as well, mate. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. not a fun look. Like it's, I don't think that was like a pivotal moment. It was just something that happened within the story that kind of linked well with everything. And I haven't really thought about it that way, but, um, in terms of like, the progression with that and um, i always had, kind of had like a a mind for looking for make to make more money now mm. of course you, you're listening to a guy who was working full-time at mcdonald's for a year and didn't change <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was just it was more like being in the i was just in the cycle of you know working playing playstation working playing playstation and you can get really you can get really lost in that mm. and that was going on for like a full year and by the end of the year i had like i think i had like 5k in stocks Mm-hmm. And that was me, like, being so frugal, putting so much money in um, compared to how much I was earning. And with that 5K, like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting, like, three euros a month from dividends. This is brilliant. You know, this, this is going to get me out of the hood. <laughs> <laughs> that three euros a month, it's going to accumulate. You'll still be minding your granny in about 10 years' time with that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was, you know, that the pivotal moment was saying, I actually... I did a bit of traveling. My sister was over in Chicago and it got to a stage where I went over to Chicago in February, had a chat with all of them. Um, she's in like a private school. So like I was talking to a lot of people with you know, rich families, 
telling them that I was working at McDonald's. I, th- I think that was the pivotal moment because I kind of, you know, it's, it's not great going all the way up to Chicago and saying, yeah, I'm actually just in a McDonald's in Ireland. You know, I'm, I don't really have a name for myself. I don't really do much at all <laughs> mm. in that regard. So I think that was the pivotal moment in terms of probably comparing myself to what can be made and what, how you can make a name for yourself. And I did that for like three days, came back, went to Germany to visit my girlfriend at the time. And then literally the day after I went over to Italy, like a couple of my friends were like, look, if you can go to Italy, like you can miss out on a couple hundred a week in McDonald's for a couple uh, a month. You can do it for two weeks and you can hate it and you can come back. Mm. And I was basically just, you know, playing football with this lad in the evenings. And the father was very into business and he was very confused why I wasn't into finance, why, how I would talk about stocks, how, uh, how I had like a, a complete mind for like, you know, trying to consume as much information in terms of trying to build a bit up or I suppose build yourself up to a stage where you have multiple streams of income. And I didn't realize that the first thing you should do is like, you know, adopt a high income skill, first of all. Mm. Get money in first before you try allocate money towards something that is, you know, what rich people do in order to preserve the wealth. But in, in the first, I suppose, first thing you should be doing is trying to preserve wealth or build wealth in terms of getting a high income skill, getting locked down with that and then growing within the company, within that position. And I didn't really think about it that way in that terms until I actually went to Italy and I was working with, um, I was talking with the father and, you know, he had four was a four floor house um massive big gate living next to the mountains and i would make mercedes in the garden nice watch lo- mm. all lovely dress i was like you know what i'm just doing something wrong <laughs> <laughs> so, so chicago what? and italy they gave you the awareness that wealth was possible and the interactions with these people showed you that they're just real people yeah and it, it just kind of made it, I suppose it gave me like a perspective of saying, look, you could be a regular person and you can do really well. And mm. um, it's just about having a different perspective and actually taking that risk. And I think at that stage, it was more like just deciding on what to do. Like I had so much free time. Like I did my college in the morning, spent what, two hours in the evening playing football with this lad and mm. um, really getting out well with the family. And they were giving me great advice at the same time. So I kind of like surrounded myself with people who were successful, who do good things. And I ended up seeing one of my friends doing really well in door-to-door sales in like, I want to say like April time. So I was in, I was only in Italy like five weeks, but five weeks is well enough for me to decide, you know what, I'm actually going to not do this degree. I ended up actually doing a PT course while I was over in Italy. Um, starting up a PT business in the meantime so that was kind of like the first bit of like entrepreneurship that I kind of d- delved into but in terms of like the main in- high income skill it was definitely got hopping into the door to door and getting that up and running and I was doing that for a company called Phone Watch big, it's like the biggest alarm company in Ireland Okay. and oh, looking back I didn't realise how much hate you got at the doors like, <laughs> <laughs> talk, talk it really built character how did you get into that in the first place? So you hear your mates doing it and you're like, I want to do that too. You call them up being like, yep, I can do door-to-door sales. And what does that look like on a daily basis as well? Yeah, great question. I think that I adopted like the mindset of from Chicago, from Italy saying, look, if somebody can do this, why can't I? And mm. that was like, that was like the moment where I said, look, I actually need to make a change. And it was kind of like a sporadic stage in my life where I was in Italy you know recently got broken up with um my I started blaming everything on you know family my dad and um, started pushing people away and, and then I ended up making the situation worse 
and then realizing you know making a fool of myself and should start just you know grinding it out at work try to find something that I can make a name for myself in and I seen that one of my friends was making a name for himself in door to door so I said look if he's doing that why can't I and then start transitioning over to literally once I seen that I got the job I said I said to the family look I'm actually leaving on Monday <laughs> can you drop me to the airport <laughs> so where was the door to door sales what location was it in it was in um, Calvin, uh, Calvin, Ireland. It was it's it's where I live at the moment. Um, we have like a, a it was a big enough territory, but I as a person who can drive a car at twenty, it's very hard to find them nowadays in Ireland with uh, the backlog in the driving test. So I feel like looking back, I was definitely like you know taken advantage of in terms of you know you have to be insured to you know drive your car for work. I was not. <laughs> and I was bringing around, bringing around all these reps. Um, Ended up, you know, being top performer there, bringing in a lot of money, a decent amount of money compared to what I was doing in McDonald's, you know, you know, mm. it was from like 1500. I think the best month I had there was like two and a half, three K. Why it's, do you think you were so good at it? Why you specifically? How did you go from not knowing how to do it at all to top performer so quickly? Great question. I think it was just how quickly I could adapt to a different situation. Once there was a bit of structure there and I figured out how to f- abide by that and bring in, I suppose, I just kind of I kind of have that personality of being able to chat to anybody and have a conversation. That was kind of the mindset going in and saying, look, if I can have a conversation with anybody, why can't I try, you know, motivate them towards, you know, well, not, I suppose not like manipulate, but, you know, steer them towards like, look, what if somebody robbed you? No, <laughs> I mean, what what is, what is sales... It's all about frame, right? It's all about how you're selling something. You can probably speak to this better than me, but... Yeah, man, it's all about frame, building up authority, the tone of your voice, how you come across, your body language. People will know if you really need the sale. Um, there's a, as a, I could really go... We could have a full... What, you know what? Two, three, four more podcasts on sales alone. But <laughs> I want to keep the audience entertained. So um, in terms of like the main things I think I got out from it, was like persistency and um, just being completely consistent with what I was doing and saying, look, even if it was going bad, I'd get my numbers in, get the KPIs, uh, key performance indicators in, hit my doors, talk to as many people as possible. I know that if I talk to 20 people in a day, if I get into two houses, I'll close one of the deals and I'll be paid. So that was kind of like the way I was looking at it and um, just put the grind in that was it was kind of like leading into the summer you know the the best time for door to door yeah and and it was fun i had a I had a great time but it was all commission only so like it was pure stress pure pure stress yeah. all on your shoulders you have a car that's breaking down every other week and you're bringing around you're responsible for bringing around four or five reps and i suppose after two months i got a, i got a promotion to like manage a sales team of four and i was doing that for like two weeks you know leading motivating bringing people in training them interviewing it was it was exactly what i wanted on my resume but i just didn't want to do it there Mm. and i did that for like two weeks it's funny like i did i did you don't really know like who's going to open the door to you one person that opened the door to me when i was doing door to door for phone watch is actually one of my mentors now so Mm. it's 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 mad how like one conversation can spider web into 10 12 13 different meetings and get you from a point where you know you're commission only you're not really i suppose you're heading in the right direction but where's that direction that you're going and i suppose it's all about like i know jordan belfort really loves the straight line analogy just go straight to the point 
and I suppose with that with the mentors it was more like bringing it more back online so it's just it's mad to think like how certain interactions can just lead into mad different places I mean um, because if I didn't open if I didn't knock on that door I would never had uh, I suppose a mentor for life like that's what I'm learning from podcasting as well is the more conversations I have with people they'll introduce me to their friends and their friends and like my calendar's starting to get booked out like months in advance and this is after a month of doing this just because I'm getting passed on between people to bigger and bigger names I was going to ask Liam's getting passed on what? (laughs) (laughs) not in that way not passed around (laughs) not passed around don't listen to anyone (laughs) Um, with the door to door sales can you talk me through maybe your most difficult sale and how you actually navigated that? great question um, my most difficult sale in terms of difficult in terms of getting it over the line or like the actual conversation getting over the line because I imagine a lot of people aren't great at being sold to so in terms of just like actually can I get them to come round to it maybe they went to shut the door on you initially like where did you turn things around the most I think what really shows as like a good salesman is if you can turn a maybe into a yes and like when you get like obviously if somebody's already interested in an alarm they already had looked at the website that's a pretty easy sale there but somebody who's already kind of thinking about it who's hasn't really has shopped around know they need an alarm but they're not really arsed in terms of filling out an application it's at that point where you you, you can show you can see a good salesman in terms of how they can build up the urgency mm-hmm. and i've done that on a number i suppose of occasions with the door-to-door um one of them i i i can't really think of any off the top of my head because i've kind of blocked out that part of my life because i absolutely hated it (laughs) (laughs) even in summertime i mean i suppose it was probably still pushing down in summertime i only i only remember the good times man and that was top performer strips and that was uh good nights (laughs) out but like it was more of a stepping stone that that's all i kind of like expected of it just to be like a stepping stone you Mm. get a sales job you leverage that position to get a better position and then you use the better position and with the combined experience of the one before to leverage to get another position and that's kind of been the steps and you'll you'll see this as i go through the story in terms of how i leveraged that to get the better position and then from there you'll you'll see that kind of trickle into the story because like the whole i didn't realize that like telecom door-to-door was so much more lucrative than alarms because there's just so much more money in it there's obviously more targets that's kind of where i did that for like three months got the promotion managed the team got offered a new job to start the following thursday and i was there it was like it was the summer it was the summer night out and i was getting a call saying yeah you can start monday if you want this is friday and i was like oh i don't really know if i can do that can can we push it on two weeks just in case because uh I don't want to be, you know, getting all this free drink, free, free food, and then tell them, yeah, I'm actually leaving Monday. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate dick move. Ultimate dick move. So I said, you know what, I'll be respectful and, um, you know, wait the two weeks, mm. which didn't really pan out in the end. All the sales I got in the two weeks cancelled. But I will say, we'll say no more about that. And um, it was like with the door-to-door telecom, you get much more benefits in terms of like company car, diesel car, pension, base salary like 560 a week and um, pretty competitive bonus structures if you're really good at it and one of my friends said uh i was that good within the telecom that i could have been put down on the balance sheet as an asset <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that i think when i was there i only missed bonus one week like if you got 10 sales you'd be on like 800 a week 
Mm. Um, I think the best week I had there, I did 17. So that was like 2K in a week. And that was like, you know, otherworldly. I was like, you know, feeling like Jordan yeah. Belfort whacking <laughs> these doors over. But I felt like, <laughs> and I did that for like six months, but I felt as if like I got to the stage where like life was just rolling again. Uh, repetitive. Repetitive, you know, doing the same thing every day. And it was like working from like half nine, you know, leaving the house half nine, home for half nine, 12 hour shifts Monday to Friday. Weekends, you only really want to chill out. And you can't really do anything during the week if friends wanted to meet up or if, I couldn't even go to the gym. And that was a, that's a big thing with me. Like, I've always gone to the gym three to four times a week. That's probably why I did the PT course in the first place. But in terms of when I was doing the, the door-to-door telecom, I just had no time at all. And I think that really took a toll as well in terms of, you know, actual energy levels. Um, and then I just didn't really have the same drive for after five, six months within it. Mm. So that's when I kind of, I was looking for like other avenues where maybe I should, should I talk a bit more? Cause that's like six months of the story with the telecom. Do you have any questions about that? Well, here's the thing. What exactly were you selling in terms of the, was that telecommunications package and was the bonus structure based on how long they took that out for as well? I'm interested in the intricacies of what you were actually offering. Right. Good question. With the telecom, um, it's mainly like broadband provider switching. Mm. Okay. Like if you ho- if you have broadband for twelve months, at the end of the twelve months it goes up in price, um, just to keep the fair competition laws within Ireland switching every year is like the best thing to do. So you're mainly looking for people who are just about to go out of contract, or they are out of contract and they're paying ludicrous compared to what you can pay. I had one person who was paying like one hundred and forty euros a month, and I dropped them down to forty four ninety nine. So that's how ridiculous it could it could change over, um, and. With that, you could offer TV, you could offer SIMs for the phone, you could offer mainly, obviously the main offer was broadband, where the TV and the, and the mobile SIMs could like help us like, you know, to get it over the line. Mm. Um, and then the SIMs and the TV were like a tenner each one you sold. You'd probably sell like nine or ten of them a week if okay. you're really good. I was doing, I think I did on average like 12 broadband a week. If you did 10, you got 250 bonus because they're 25 each. If you did 13, it was like 650 bonus because it went from 25 to 45 each. Mm. If you did 15, it went from 45 to 65 each. So if you did 15 sales, you're getting a grand in commission from broadband alone. And then you have 560 on top from your base salary. And then you probably have, at that stage, the Sims go from 10 to 15. So you probably have an extra 120 from the Sims and TV. So if you could, if you could get really good at it, yeah, you're looking at 15, 1,600 a week. Yeah, That's what you could be getting. Which in Ireland or anywhere in the UK at like your age and stuff is better than pretty much anyone else is making in terms of like a normal job or a normal salary for sure. I'm curious no. what the difference in your personality was between the start of that telecommunications job and the end of it. And what was it about that change that made you kind of flip that switch and think, oh, I want to go higher than this? Great question. I think the main thing that swayed me away from, you know, 60 hours a week knocking doors um, was mainly the fact that, like, life just felt like it was rolling over again. I felt as if I wasn't seeing my family at all. You know, I was getting up in the morning, wrecked, nine o'clock, putting clothes on, maybe a quick shower, leaving the house when everybody's already gone to work or already gone to bed or already gone to school. And then when I come home at half nine, everybody's gone to bed. The, The girls are already asleep like I have four sisters myself who are all younger 
and not seeing that brother Monday to Friday. It, it was kind of, it was weird, a weird situation to be in. And with that as well, it was, it just felt like everything was rolling over. And I feel like the, the main difference point was the fact that I just felt like I was trapped and needed more freedom. And I didn't want to be knocking doors in Ireland forever. Now, of course, I was doing like the best months I did. I think I had like five and a half K after tax come in, um, which was pretty good for like 20 years old. But at the same time, it wasn't like, you know, what's 5K to me now? Like I wouldn't, you have to like take a step back to take two steps forward is the way I look at it. And if you're like, I could have said like, look, 5K after tax, that's brilliant. You know, I'll do that for the rest of my life. You could say that. A lot yeah. of people do say that put that ceiling on themselves but I knew that if I had gone from you know 1200 a month to 5k after tax within eight months who's to say I can't go further than that why am I stopping now when I'm feeling this you know immediate growth and I think the personality change was it was more getting in line with my vision where the mentor came in it was it was like every two to three weeks going over it again and I felt like I was just in a spiral where you know I was in a company that start, was starting to get a bit more hate. And I realized, like, from moving from the phone watch to the telecom, there was a lot less hate at the doors. But then I started dabbling with online sales, warm leads being sent to me. Mm. And I realized how shit the, the telecom sales were. So it was more of a perspective. I think it was more of a perspective change mm. in saying, I don't actually have to talk to, you know, 100 people with... No, actually, you know, you'd be looking for like three sales a day with the telecom. And I think I got to like, you know, I only really needed to knock like 40 doors to get that because and once you build up a pipeline as well, you'd have no problem in getting that. But even with that, I didn't want to be talking to 37 people who were just going to tell me to piss off. And yeah, which I'm assuming you get, <laughs> what's your percentage of fuck offs at the door? How many of them do you get a day? You know, what, if they do that, I try to make them feel as bad as possible. <laughs> How do you do that? Just stare at them. Don't leave. Sure. <laughs> Some Irish lad just did the front garden. Yeah, I had one woman come up to me. I was walking from like an estate to an estate, and it was like a school run. And she was in a bus, and she started waving me over. I was like, "What does this woman want? Broadband or something?" And she was like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> "And she was like, um, you know." I, you were at my door the other day and I just wanted to say sorry because I was so rude. And I was like, you know, what? I don't even recognize who you are. So I just went in one ear out the other. So don't be worrying. And I was walking, <laughs> away. walking away and I was like, you know what? That was the first person who said, uh, I'm actually sorry. And I actually apologize. So I was like, you know what? She's a real one for that. And then that, that never happened again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's one the good person in the entirety of that county, pretty much. Yeah, the rest of them are just being dickheads. And I'd be like, what did I do to you? Because the company I was working for kind of had like a notorious bad customer care. Mm. That was, like they really have bad fulfillment. Like they put like a billion, a billion euros into it the year prior to me joining. So they, they had put a lot of improvements into it. It was just, I suppose it was nearly like a trend to hit on the company that I was working for. Oh, opposed okay. to any of the other ones. So that was where most of the hate lied. And then if anybody was taking the piss out of that, I'd just say, look, um, why are you giving out to me? What did I do with that? Like, was I working for air two years ago? I was still in the school at that stage. What do you, what are you screaming at me at the door for? Yeah. What and was then, it they done then, that made them, they gave them such a bad reputation? Do you know what they did? They, um, they used to have their customer care in India mm. and they, they changed it to all in-house. Like even the people going to door to door didn't work directly for the company. But when I was there, I was working directly for air. And when, 
it, a COVID happened. They were doing the transition from it being in, in India to it being in Ireland. And they didn't have any, or they didn't have a lot of people employed okay. to do the switch over. And then COVID hit and then nobody could get onto the phone. Well, nobody, people don't want to be in the call for 10 minutes. If you if, if you'd wanted that badly, you would wait like, um, and then the people who were initially hired were just so pissed off because there were so many people coming in, giving out. And then it just it just kind of spiraled out of control. And like the, even the CEO had to come out and say and, and apologize. It got that bad. And you never rarely you rarely see a CEO coming out and apologizing to the public. So like that showed that I think that in itself showed how bad it got. And then it started to recover after I got there. And that's when they brought in all the bonuses. They brought in a lot of better, like I suppose, competitive packages to deal with the other door to door companies as well. So. I suppose that could, that gives you a good perspective on the thought process I had, especially when I was kind of transitioning from, you know, working door to door to high ticket because I started like working part time mm. in online sales, you know, doing some cold calling in the evenings. Well, cold calling, I call it warm calling because they're already they're Probably already leads. interested in the product. Yeah. They're, they're already warm leads who signed up to be called anyway. So the way I seen it was like, look, I'm not going to be on call with people who are just going to piss me off. They're going to be on call with people who signed up to be talked to yeah and so that was kind of like i'm just curious i'm curious about so you said that the main difference was the possibility of you making more money and you realizing right i can grow even further from this and there's a limit to how much i can make here bar that what are the other reasons that attracted you to online sales because when i think of that i think you have complete location independence and that you can go anywhere and do what you're doing just now is that one of the reasons is there anything else that attracts you about it Great question. That was definitely, I suppose, the second key driver behind it. I didn't kind of realize it until around December time when we got like a, a cold winter storm coming through and it was like minus 10 at the doors. And I said, yeah, I don't actually want to do it. <laughs> Fuck I don't actually hand- <laughs> So I think at that stage I said, look, if I do go into online sales, I'm never going to be in Ireland during the winter again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me. Like, for for example, I'm actually moving to Spain next Tuesday, so that's how like rapidly it's it's changed. And I've been in it full time for three weeks, and I said, "Look, I'm actually it's actually viable, so I'm just going to move abroad and enjoy the fact that I can work from anywhere." So you're right in terms of location freedom; it's definitely one of the main key aspects of the job. Once you have a internet connection and you can sell, sure, you can do from anywhere essentially. And I think you need nearly even do it better because you'd be in a better mood with the warmer climate. You'd be in better mood because people in warmer climates always have you know better i suppose views on life as well have you ever seen that experiment where they interviewed like 100 people and they gave 50 people a cold drink and they gave 50 people this is outside by the way and they gave 50 people a warm drink Mm. and it was like 90 percent of people had a better outlook on life when they had a warmer cup in their hands Ah, okay yeah that's interesting i've never i mean it does make sense because that's the reason why i'm in australia as well is that you're right. just fucking, you're happier, like the sun has been proven to make you happier, like vitamin D is essential, it's essentially, yeah. have you ever listened to Andrew Huberman before? No, so but it kind of rings a bell. You've probably seen, he's got a, one of the biggest podcasts on the planet, but he's like, he takes a very science and evidence-based approach, and he talks about the importance of getting at least like 15 to 20 minutes of sunlight first thing in the morning, and how important right. it is for your happiness, so... Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, I don't blame you for moving to Spain and anywhere else because you will definitely be happier. Exactly, man. And that's kind of like the perspective change that I kind of needed, especially now you can see how white I am compared to you on, <laughs> on the podcast as well. 
like I wake I wake up do a couple hours before I leave the room and then I come out and it's dark yeah and that that is not healthy that is not uh, I don't care what planet you're on that is not healthy at all and it would be more the case of like because in my room I'm downstairs everybody's upstairs I have no window I don't even <laughs> you're, you're in a fucking basement right now I'm in the, I'm in the fucking basement so I am so it was more it was it was definitely a key factor in terms of um switching over and realizing that you can make more money while actually being able to do it from anywhere and yeah. of course you could say look there's a company car there you don't have to worry about diesel you don't have to worry about maintenance but sure look if you're traveling anyways who gives a shit yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, right, so I want to go into what it is you're doing just now and the complexities of that, but I'm curious, of the money that you've earned and stuff, is there anything you've invested in terms of your education? Did you have to buy a course to get into the job you're doing just now? Is there anything else, like a professional camera, audio setup? How have you invested? one of my friends they began a high ticket sales training course where you get trained you do all the curriculum you do two trainings a week you also get placed as well that was the main thing that was interested in terms of get, actually getting an, an opportunity from it where you pay like i paid like three grand mm. where i've gotten my money back you know tenfold from that like that it, it helped i got that like within the first month of door to door where I think it really helped in terms of having that consistency, becoming the top performer, understanding human psychology, understanding body language, understanding tone of voice, understanding that there's three, you can be put with three different types of people in front of you. And it really like actually, I suppose meshed well with door to door opposed to just, you know, having it for online sales because it was pretty much the same thing. And I kind of neglected it for about three or four months. I didn't really take it too seriously after my funds first month there. And I was kind of looking at it as a, a waste of money until I started take. I had that, I suppose, perspective change and I switched over and I said, look, why don't I actually take this a bit more seriously? Because I've seen so many people within the group making so much money from, from their laptop from anywhere in the world. And I kind of had that same perspective in terms of if they can do it, why can't I? Mm. And that was where I got my opportunity to do the warm calling we'll call it warm calling because it was <laughs> toasty calling <laughs> yeah i think that i only seen the value within the program after i started taking it seriously i suppose you can take that approach into anything you do in terms of you can see anything as a waste of money if you don't use it you can buy the best camera in the world but if you never use it you'll never get the be reap the benefits from it so with the course i was doing i didn't reap the benefits until i took it seriously you know five months later and Looking back, I probably could have could have could have had accelerated growth, but 
at the same time, I, I don't really care because I've gotten to the stage where now it's benefited. Now I've gotten my money back. Now I've seen the benefits in terms of looking back with the door to door as well. And having that consistency, the persistence to get through all the no's to find the yeses. And then also it, it, it it's weird because it's spiderwebbed into finding a position as well, because one of my friends and I, it came up to about November time and I had a week, had a week off from the door to door. And I said, you know what, this guy, my friend was working online as well, doing the sales. He was making like 11K a month and we both went over to Portugal. We were like, yeah, it's a work holiday. Wednesday every night. <laughs> work expense. Yeah, yeah, business, business trip. But um, <laughs> like with that, it was, we were taking calls during the day, going out in the night and it was like rinse and repeat for five days. But it gave me a good insight to be like what that could be like if I did that full time. No, obviously that was more like a work holiday. It was a break. But now when I go on Tuesday, I'm going with the same guy. We're both going to work online, but I'm not really interested in drinking at all. It's more just getting to the warmer climate. Because I think I was in the mindset of just having a break from the door to door at that stage. You know, going from 60 hours to none to doing a few on online. And um, I definitely needed the few drinks. But uh, <laughs> it gave a good insight to see what it could be like working online. And I think that like pushed me to find a better position quicker. Where I actually found it on Twitter. Have you ever heard of Money Twitter? Yeah, 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 yeah money to a group of these guys all making x amount online and preaching about it and that's where i suppose it, it showed me as well that there's levels to this game there's uh, absolute levels so that's something i see I think, like people talk about all the time on money twitter that 10k a month should be your bare minimum like that's like a yeah. thing on money twitter is if you're not making 10k a month you're not trying pretty much exactly you're not putting the effort you're not following up with people you're not closing the people you should be closing and from there, I actually seen on Twitter, I don't know if you know Jeremy Moser. He works alongside the company I'm with and now. He like helps people build up on Instagram. He's like the best guy for that. But he put out a tweet saying, I'm looking for sales reps while I was in Portugal. And I was like, you know, what? why don't I actually just, you know, DM him and say, look, can I actually have an interview? DM them, had an interview that day. And I think I can, I can touch base on the first thing you said in the podcast in terms of having everything done as, as soon as possible because those people who also do the same really respect it and really really i suppose like the fact that you can be so quick on your feet like that mm. you can adapt appreciate the fact that you can step out of your comfort zone and do this now if if not yesterday yeah and i'll touch base further in the story how that helped me as well but by having this i suppose drive to do it now in terms of having that interview if i didn't do that i wouldn't have gotten the position that i'm in because I did the interview with Jeremy, went really well, asked all the right questions, ended up following following up with him three times. On the third time, he said, look, I'm actually not taking anybody on at the moment. Don't think I have the capacity to give good leads and make a consistent, I suppose, stream from it. But I'll refer you to one of my clients. And he didn't have to do that. I actually texted him since, you know, thanking him because he didn't, he didn't have to refer me to one of his clients who was looking for somebody to work for him. Had that interview that Friday from the text on like the Thursday where I knew that this guy was on the ball if, you know, talk, texted about it on the Thursday, interviewed about it on the Friday. I was like, this guy is on the ball. Let me look into him. Did the interview. Basically got the job on the spot. Really lovable guy. Really nice. It sounded like, you know, this guy is actually like a good person to work for. Mm. And I think that was the break that I got in terms of, you know, looking for a good position did a good few interviews before this. Now I'm obviously talking about the one that did work, but I did, I did interviews before this as well. 
And this one just stood out more. It stood out more as a better opportunity. It felt like the companies with the culture that was in, the growth that was potentially there, they were doing like 265K a month. Mm. and they're looking to scale that to 2.6 million by November and we're still aiming to get there which I think would be no problem but it's just about putting in the right systems at the moment and I did that for like two weeks part-time obviously when I was I handed my notice in on that Monday mm. <laughs> as you do as you do I texted my boss saying um it was like half it was like 10 o'clock and I said can I uh meet up with you and he was like oh that's not good news <laughs> 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 so that's, that's never a good sign and I was like ah oh, this guy knows <laughs> yeah so I let the notice in and that week and the week after it was the coldest week in Ireland since like 2010 and like mm. that just proved my point I was like thank god even if I make 200 a week <laughs> yeah I'm fucking out <laughs> I yeah I'm out of here exactly so it was it was it was funny in that regards in terms of the transition from there and did it for like part time for like two weeks full time for a week actually went out on like we have like 12 pubs in in ireland i don't know if you know you know about 12 pubs where you know we're all alcoholics over in Ireland. there's like a certain date the 23rd where you aim to go to 12 pubs have at least one drink in it oh uh, i get and told about go, this just, like, is it all like a 12 pubs one. of christmas right 12 pubs of christmas yeah. exactly <laughs> and like there, there's six pubs in my small town you go to each one of them three times <laughs> 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 uh, but it, it, it was a funny time but i actually got covid as well so that was like that was like the funniest thing because i got it twice last year mm. and i was literally in the bed waking up taking sales calls grand i have 30 minute break let me take a 30 minute nap up again <laughs> taking, taking sales calls back to bed because i'm absolutely fucked <laughs> Mate, just pound through ibuprofen paracetamol whatever yeah, yeah, yeah exactly red bull here exactly. coffee there yeah, oh man, I'm telling you, that that was an awful time. But it was funny because it was it was my first insight to interview. If you actually like put the grind in and like I completely opened my availability. I was like, look, if I'm gonna be sitting at home, I may as well be taking sales calls, trying to make as much money as possible. And actually I think I made like eighteen hundred that week. So like it kind of proved to like, look, if I actually put in the work, what, why can't I actually do this every week? If not like do more. Because I was only I was too I was doing the lower ticket offers mm. opposed to selling the th- like we do three offers at the moment, one, three, and eight K. And I was mainly selling the one K, but now I'm doing the three and eight, so it's much easier to get to the same numbers I was doing with the one K. And that was like a good transition in terms of like with my boss, doing everything on time, very quickly, suggesting new things, company very at a stage where somebody at the level I was could put, give a I suppose a suggestion and they could put it in the next day. Mm. Where I suggested saying that agility, that agility, that speed coming in, being open on your feet, saying, look, this isn't working. Can we actually try something new? And it came to a stage where, look, he was looking for a sales manager. And I said, well, look, if that opportunity is there, I'll take it. Yeah. And he was like, well, I have, I have another candidate there. I have an interview with him Thursday. Let me just have a conversation with him first because I promised him I'd have a conversation. Took him four, took him four days to get him on a call for sales manager. Mm, that's not exactly not what you're wanting you want to see you want to see that it's agility not, it's not what it's, it's not what you want to see because that's just slowness if you're in mm. an environment where everything's going a million miles an hour you want to be able to to adapt if i get told i need two people in by tomorrow i can have it done mm. and i have had it done i've gotten off three interviews before this podcast and i've expanded the team by three people so <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it's it's rapidly grown and it's not just the fact that he told me i, I said to him i need three more people 
Mm. I said to him, Let, let's actually implement these new things that other people are doing, that other people are bringing a lot more revenue from. And obviously, the main thing he wants to hear is how much more revenue can this tri- drive? Mm. If I bring in these people... I mean, sorry. Much- something that's really kind of came across across all your stories is just the persistence, that doggedness that you just go at with everything. Do you see that? Is that something, what are the qualities that you see and maybe your mentors or the leaders in this space that you kind of aspire to build to? Great question. I think it kind of all stems from watching close mentors of mine exceed. And that kind of goes back to one of the courses where um, Gareth Campbell, I had him on my podcast. He's a very, very good guy. Very, he, he, he knows how to use effective communication where he knows how to get his point across Brilliant guy, brilliant guy to, I suppose, walk in the footsteps of. And he did like 5 million in sales. He's only like 22 as well. And we we're all learning from him. And I feel like I was aspiring to be nearly just like him. Like, I'm a big believer in you're going to be a reflection of the five people that you hang around with the most. Mm. And I I, started, I surrounded myself with people who get things done yesterday. Yeah. Okay. And I think that Alicante in Spain is only going to push that forward. Because I'm going to be, I, I'm trying to, I suppose, put myself up in the best position for success. Of course, you're going to be paying for an apartment and moving over. But like, if it gives you X amount more, why not? So I think that that was a good question in terms of, can we actually go over that again? Did I, did I, I don't think I really answered that correctly for you. So it was mainly, so I was talking about your persistence and your doggedness and how that's actually got you the opportunities you've got just now. And I was wondering what you see in your mentors in terms of their personality, their traits that you aspire to have more of? Do you want to be a better conversationalist? Do you want to be, you said that he was a very clear communicator and just got his point across like that. Like what are the things that makes an amazing salesman? Great question. It's, I think it comes back to, I suppose, how well can you lead? like in terms of effective communication, motivating others to do the same thing in terms of seeing the vision. A lot of people don't realize that with leadership, with captaincy, with as simple as being the captain of a soccer team, the captain has a vision and he has to inst- install that within the rest of the players within the team. If the captain believes that they w- won't win the game, majority of the times the team won't win. So I've seen that it, within the traits of all the people who were very, very successful, they got things done yesterday they motivated them, everybody around them to be on the same energy level as them, never mind to get to the state. Like, obviously, people have different energy levels in terms of how much output they can bring to the team. But if they're bringing in different ideas, different suggestions, trying to, I suppose, get the team closer to that vision, have it completely aligned, that's the whole point of a leader. Mm. If the leader doesn't believe in what they're talking about or believe in what they're trying to bring across, it can be it, it, salespeople can sense that. Yeah, you don't believe okay. in what you're trying to sell. Like the amount of times that I've gotten people, to, I suppose, to work for me because obviously it's a very competitive space. You want the best people working for you, just based off energy on the call, vision, selling them the vision in terms of where I see this company going. Mm. And I, it's easy for me to say, look, look, this company's going to go from you know 200k to you know 2.6 million by November. Yep. And if I was talking like that, like, would yeah, anybody I don't believe, believe you at all. You're talking absolute shit. Would anybody believe me? Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. So it's about installing the, I suppose, the right people in the right place, getting the vision aligned with that. So 
that was kind of like the key traits in terms of leadership, being able to motivate others, use effective communication within the channels because it can get very diluted in terms of if you have different spaces in between. So even with that, I'm now trusted to be like a sounding board, like a reflection of my boss. And I have no problem being that because I want to be in the position where I can learn from this person as much as possible. Mm. I can draw off their energy because I can see that he's working through the night. Why can't I have the same energy and put that same amount of effort in? And if I put that same amount of effort in, he'll notice. And he mm. did notice. Because the person who booked the sales, or I suppose manager meeting, I suppose interview, didn't give himself availability until four days later. On the call at the end of it, he kind of tried to swing like a salesy approach and say, look, I'll get back to you at the end of the week. Mm. My man, my, my own, or I suppose my boss was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> this this guy tried this guy tried to sell me on a position that I'm looking for. I was like, come on now, like I want this filled yesterday. I don't want this filled with a maybe that you might get back to me by the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. And it was more like at a testing basis to see how things would go. Now we did like as I mentioned earlier, we did 220k in December. So I began in the beginning of January. So we're well, we're 13 days into January now. We've done like I think 130k. So we've done it about 10K day and I think we're hitting the max in terms of the people that we have. So mm. that's why I'm bringing in a lot more people. And um, it got to the stage where it's very hard to expect two closers to bring in 250K cash collected each because obviously the, the goal is to get 500K. We have two closers closing the deals, myself and another colleague of mine who's very good. So like it got to the stage where, you know, we're on 15, I think we had like 15 calls books a day, booked a day. So that was the first problem. How do we increase the, the call bookings? I increased it. I think we had like a record day of like 35 calls booked last Friday. Mm. And that just filled my calendar. Because the first thing I the first thing I did was rearrange the structure. And then I realized that I needed like people in the middle mm. to filter out before they get closed. And my calendar ended up being filled with people from like booking a week ago who don't even show up because I don't even remember when my next dentist appointment is. Never mind talking about <laughs> never mind never mind talking about like a sales pitch. So I I put in a, this was a better system now in terms of people in the middle filtering it through before even going on call it myself or the other closer. So it's just about putting the be better systems, <clears throat> driving more traffic towards maybe having a cold calling team there, which I'm kind of looking at now, and bringing in like-minded individuals who. I can, I suppose, the way I kind of pitched it was, look, I actually, I did a full document, made it very easy to understand, did the visuals, did a, made a flow chart of what I want the company to look like. And people Ooh. respect the effort. People, people, <laughs> <laughs> people flow respect the effort. <laughs> a flow chart. Oh, don't be afraid of them, boys. <laughs> but like people appreciate the effort that you go into to get your point across. Mm. And like I laid out everything that that position that I would do for him and how much more revenue that would drive, how much more time he'd have more towards content creation, how much t stress relieving he would have in terms of that would be on me now. I'd be the sounding board. I'd do the hiring. I'd do the interviews with people that would never get a job in, the mil in a million years. I'll filter all that out. I'll bring in the right type of people. I'll train them up. I'll do, me I'll do the meetings. I'll set the agendas. I'll go over the targets. I'll set the targets. And with that, it all kind of meshed to, yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So in, in one encapsulation, it's I'll take all of the fucking stress off your back. I'll handle all and you'll make more money. Yes, and that's where the effective communication comes in because you have to realize who's in front of you. Mm, that's quite my, humbling. My boss, 
my my boss knows that look what how am i going to get more revenue in made it very easy to understand revenue coming in here there employing more people here building the systems in place and it's more about visualizing that making that a reality then which can be done it's a matter of copy and paste with different systems um, and employing the right people so yeah i got a I had a nice conversation two days ago. Now I'm officially the sales manager after the test for the week. Congratulations. And I got a, I got a yeah, so I'm now on, yeah. I, I don't want to go into details of it, but uh, I'm doing quite nice for myself. I was going to um, ask, right, so one thing that's hard about looking at sales or high-ticket sales from the outside, when you look at it on Twitter or Money Twitter especially, people talk and they're very ambiguous about what it is they actually do or what it is they actually sell. So I was wondering if you could go into the offering that you're actually selling and what that process is like. So say, for example, you get someone that signs up to you as a warm lead. How do you take them through a sales call? It's like uh, it's like the training I did earlier. I should send you on the loom from it. But <laughs> 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 yeah, like there's different procedures you can go through. I could go like through an whole hour of explaining the script and why you say everything. I think the main, the most important part of a sales script is the beginning, the okay. frame, the tone that you set for the. Talk, I look, look, talk you more look about frame. Like talk more about frame because that said a lot on on Twitter just now. People talking about frame and how important it is. Cool. Could you go into that a bit more for us? Yeah, no problem. In terms of frame, I think it's the most important part of the call because essentially you're you're walking, you're imagining this person has never been on a Zoom call before. They've never been through a sales process before. They probably don't even know it's a sales process. So you're letting them know it is. And you're letting them know exactly what's going to happen, exactly what you're going to talk about. You're letting them know that, look, I actually have a stop in, you know, 30 minutes. Other people are actually coming on calls. I'm not the only person that is on call today um, I suppose you build up urgency within the frame as well like I could say look, obviously Felix is very popular across social media and um, we have a lot of people trying to join the program whereas we only have a certain amount of coaches so we don't want to do, I suppose lose the value within the program by letting everybody in so if I genuinely feel like this is a good place for you what I'll do is I'll break down what that looks like later in the call Hans is very good in this I'll break down what that looks like later in the call and then the next steps from there but if I feel like it's not a good place for you, it's not a good fit, what I'll do is I'll still send you over some information, perhaps like a PDF, where you'll gain value from the call regardless, and I can point you in the right direction. Does that sound fair enough? Yeah, that sounds so, absolutely fair. I love the way so, you're going about that. You can see how well you work. So like you can, you're telling them this, this call is going to end at a certain point. Mm. You're telling them that there's a bit of urgency. They're not the only people taking calls. If you don't take the call, it's not the end of my world. It doesn't burst my little bubble. Mm. <laughs> You're telling them that if it does make sense, I'll show them what it looks like working together. The next steps from there, they'll be very clear. But also, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, if I'm not a good fit, they're not going to be sold to. And they'll mm. gain value from the call regardless of whatever way they want to proceed. Okay. And then obviously you finish it off with the Jordan Belfort. Does that sound fair enough? Yeah, does that sound fair <laughs> enough? That was very impactful. It's just, for me, looking at that from the outside, it's very much you setting the, the tone of I'm the authority and whether you go for this or not, we don't really care, but we might be able to make something work and it's very much like I am the authority, you're the subject. Is that, is that fair yeah, to say? I suppose, I suppose the, the right terminology on that is like the pull, 
the push pull factor. Okay. Where I had a sale the other day where it was more myself pulling it away from them, mm. saying, "Look, I don't think this is actually a good fit for you." And he said, "Well, look, I actually can pull another eight grand towards this." And I was like, "Well, look, if you can pull another eight grand towards this, maybe we can have a conversation about it." He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I can." I was like, "Right, well, if you can actually do that, I'll break this down." But is that locked up in stocks? What way is that? No, no, it's in cash. Right, brilliant. So what I'll do is if I can point you in that right direction, uh, does myself showing you how you can get that extra income stream in, does that sound like a conversation worth having? Yeah. What okay. a what a goated line. I fucking love that line. <laughs> <laughs> does that sound like a conversation <laughs> worth having? Yes, exactly. I fucking love that line. Do you have... Cameron Moore, if he's, if he's listening to this, uh, beautiful guy. <laughs> Do you have moments where you say something, you see the reaction in them, and you think, it's done, it's over with? You can never presume within a call. You can never presume. Mm. You can you can have the most... You can have somebody who lost all their life savings and got it back, and they'll still say, I don't need this, when you know yourself it's going to help them in the long run. Mm. You don't presume it's over until you know they paid the invoice and they've signed the agreement. You don't okay. celebrate too early. It's like celebrating before you know you're about to shoot a shot and it's it hasn't it hasn't even hit the rim yet and you're celebrating. <laughs> okay, that's the kind of analogy that I like to use towards that. So you can never presume anything. At, I suppose that with the sales process until you see you know that income and payment come through the through the Slack channel. <laughs> yeah, is it Slack that you guys use to communicate as well? Yeah, Slack is the, like the easiest thing to use. Yeah. With that, what exactly is it you're selling? What's your offering? Can you go into that? Yeah, so the main thing, we have like the best options trading course on the market at the moment. So essentially, there's different packages as I mentioned. The 3 and the 8K are like dialed towards, we will have these course fees back within profits within the first three months or we will work with you for free. Okay. So we'll teach you how to do it. We'll, we'll set you up for success. We'll do all the one-on-ones. If you don't have your course fees back at the end of the 90 days, you're going to, we're going to like extend the coaching. Mm. So like, it's like as risk-free as possible. I don't think you can get any less risk-free than that without touching, you know, financial advisory and all that crack. You want to, you want to steer clear of that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not anything, but all I know is we're a business. We're not looking for that to be, I yeah. suppose, we're not, we don't want to work for free forever. Okay, that's uh yeah. I can see the offering. So you've got people that were into options or stocks have looked into it. How high ranking is your website? How do people get in contact with you? Is it through this leader's Instagram? Is your website on Google? What brings that organic traffic in? <clears throat> yeah, so my boss has like forty five k subscribers on YouTube, and um, he's like, I want to say a, a nicer, more lovely, more open. Me, me, Kevin. <laughs> me, Kevin. I don't know who that is. Meet, 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 Kevin. You've never heard of Meet Kevin? Nah, Meet Kevin. He's like one of the biggest, like, you know, financial gurus. Well, if you want to call him a guru on YouTube, um, he, you know, he was a big promoter of FTX before that exploded. Now, let me, <laughs> let's, let's not talk too much about that in case I can do a deal with him in the future. But yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he, um. Yeah, he's he's just an, a lovely guy, and of course on on Instagram we've like a hundred k followers as well, and that account was begun on December first, so mm. it's pretty much blown up since. Everyone, it gets very popular, especially mm. with the way the stock market has been over the last year. 
and people want a better way to safeguard their portfolio and not be exposed to the market where they're in complete control. And that's exactly what option trading does for you. Mm. So it's a great time to start. I can imagine with your background and looking into crypto and stocks and stuff that massively helped with you being able to sell that offering as well, right? I would say no. I would actually disagree with that. Okay. Why? The reason the reason being I'm in sales, right? Mm. If you think about it as in the analogy of an actor, an actor can wear many hats and play different roles. At the end of the day, they're acting. Mm. A salesman, if they're good, they can sell anything. Once all of the mm. once the offer is good, okay, but they can adapt to it. Got you. Got because you. it's the same process: introduction, frame, discovery phase, find the pinpoints, project over the the offer, go to the closing. Does it, always be closing ABCs of sales. How does that? How does your sales technique develop over time? Have you noticed a difference or oh, an improvement? Yeah. Love this question because I think because we like documented this on a podcast as well. If you listen to my first one compared to my most recent, you can tell the complete different. I suppose even my tonality, my I suppose my use of communication, the words that I was using. You could tell that I was, you know, knocking doors in council estates all week, <laughs> opposed, to, opposed to talking to high value clients that, you know, you have to speak with a, of a higher stature and you have to use better communication towards because if you slip up with that there, you could potentially lose the deal because why would I pay $8,000 to somebody who can't even speak English? Yeah, I get you. Like effectively. Yeah, because you're using your local dialect perhaps, so you're just not speaking properly. One thing exactly. I'm majorly curious about is how being in sales has affected your life outside it and how you conduct yourself and what interactions you get in. I love, I love this podcast already. I love this podcast <laughs> already. I put you, I put you on the spot an hour beforehand and he's asking questions like this. And people, <laughs> I, I'd listen to it. I, I'd listen to this. <laughs> I'm glad we, we'll get it out there. Every kind of be listening to it in no time. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I've actually got last track of the question. <laughs> <laughs> that blown away by the question, mate. That's our first on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So my question was how... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember the question in terms of how it affected the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a very good one because this is something that I only had a, a conversation with my, one of my close friends not too long ago where you nearly see everything like an objection. Mm. In what way? You guess you, somebody, somebody says no to you in a restaurant because there's not a seat there. You say, okay... You reconvene, you go over your process, you go back to them with two call clothes, and you go back and you say, look, I can see that the table is free there. I can see that it is reserved. Now, me and my friend only want a bit of, a bit of food. We're, we're happy to give you the business. We're happy to give you the tip. Now, with that, we'll only be in, in for an hour and gone after an hour. Does that sound fair enough in terms of we'll give you the business and we'll be gone after a certain time period? The people who are going to be sitting there with the reserved seats, they wouldn't even know that we were there. Yeah. Does that sound like a conversation worth having? Oh, you've got it again. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Do you know what I've realised across both of those things? You're giving them like an overly reasonable statement. Like they would be wild to not believe how reasonable that question is and you just lead them down into that. Like you'd be idiotic to not agree to that. I'll give you one. If you want to take one thing away from this podcast, try this even when you are talking to people. Mirroring is so powerful. Okay. If so, let's say you were to listen to me and you were to actively listen, and I was to say, 
you know, I'm having a really bad time. You know, my girlfriend, she, she's just not listening to me. I, you know, I would say that. What would you say? You say, you say the last three words that they said. Yeah. And you do like an, you do like an upward tonality at the end. So your girlfriend's like not listening point. to you. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, like and they just keep rambling on. And then they yeah. get to the end of it and you do the exact same thing. You Try and see how many times you can do it before they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. But you can do it three or four times because it's mad because like it kind of happened to one of my friends and they were like, yeah, well, look, he's just not listening to me. And he was like, oh, he's just not, he's just not listening to me. Mm. Or sorry, he's just not listening to you. Yeah, this, that and the other. And he's just going out and he just, he just, he just doesn't get it. Right. So it's, it sounds like to me, that there's a bit of confusion within the relationship at the moment. And you guys are at a stage where there's a lot of confusion. And I suppose with that, he just doesn't get it. Mm. So what you're yeah, doing... Just, <laughs> yeah, I get you. You're, doing, you're, you're saying exactly what they, they said to you. And then you repeat the last three words that they said with an upward tonality. Mm. And it's so powerful because you can do this two or three times in a row. And it's about like getting... Well, in a sales process, you want to get more out of them in terms of why they're there. But... In terms of like in real life, it's just like, you know, it's keeping the conversation going. With, but it's also figuring out more about what they're complaining about. With and it's really that. good in terms of if I ever have a, an argument with a, a loved one as well. <laughs> <laughs> so as useful relationships, friends, whatever, all these kind of lessons from sales are just like compounded outwards. And would you say it's, I'm assuming you would say it's affected them positively in your manner. Yeah, like, it, like of course, you've seen all, like, you know, the sl- sleazily. Is that the right way to say it? Sleazily salesmen. Sleazy. Sleazy salesmen out there who probably use this to their advantage where I genuinely feel like I'm helping people. If you mm. genuinely feel like you are helping people, that will come across when you are selling to them. And they say, this guy actually believes in it. This guy, you know, thinks that this is going to better my life i'm going to get to a position where i could be in the same as him and he's going to be actually working from anywhere and he's going to be actually you know trading as well so i think it comes down to in terms of like that's where the sleazy salesmen come in because they don't actually believe in what they're selling and oh, they yeah. just want the money that's where i think that comes from where if you don't genuinely believe in what you're trying to provide for people mm. it, it come across because people can like smell it yeah they can smell it they can smell it coming across in whatever way you, you try to say it that's good that you can morally align with your offering. Something that I've got from this past hour and a bit of the podcast that we've done is that you've got a really astute understanding of human psychology and how people work and how they act. And that's obviously a massive part of sales. So I'm just thinking outside of the actual sales process itself, is there any media or content that you've consumed in terms of podcasts, books, movies, anything like that, that have deepened your understanding of how humans work? Yeah, that's a good question. I've been recommended so many books and I'm just not a reader. <laughs> I just, I, I know if I sat down and I turned my phone off and I started reading a book, I'd probably get through maybe 15 pages and say that'd be enough. Now, obviously, maybe I'm putting a ceiling on myself there mm. and I should really tackle that more and figure out why I can't. I really like audiobooks. And that's something I've gotten into re- recently. But in terms of what I've done so far, it's more just reassessing my vision, my goals every two weeks with one of my mentors. That was like the main thing that I did. And then, of course, you can listen to as many motivational speeches as you want on YouTube. But the way I look at that is it's just like mental masturbation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
the way I look at it is if if you are trying to manifest this right, if you're trying to manifest without putting in the work, it's just procrastination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without actually putting you, any actions. You could say, look, I could actually do fifty podcasts in hundred days, but then not put the work in, and then you're just procrastinating on it. You're not fulfilled. You're not, you're. I suppose you're not holding yourself accountable. Yeah. That's where I. That, that's where I think really came across when I was DMing yourself. I that was the first, you're actually the first person I've DM'd on Instagram. No, second person, first person I asked for an interview, second person that I've DM'd on Twitter before. So like it just came, really came across to me that like this guy is actually holding himself accountable. This guy is planning, you know, planning big things, 50 podcasts in hundred days. I I think I could probably easily be on one of them. Let me have a conversation with him and see what this guy's like. And he's, he's a pretty funny fucker so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, take it. I, I think this has been one of the better podcasts as well. But the accountability is something that's just becoming way more evident in my life. I've had so many conversations with, had one with my brother yesterday with a friend a few days ago. He trades stocks full time. And we were just talking about the importance of accountability. And that phrase that you mentioned earlier, you're the result or the reflection of the five people around you or the five people you talk to the most. I just think that's so important to have good mentors and people that are ambitious and inspire you. Um, Have you found that hard to navigate? Because you're obviously very young. You're, what, 20 years old at this point. How have you found that dropping off the mates? Because Ireland's like Scotland, like the majority of the cultures around drink or drugs. So I'm assuming there's quite a lot of friends that you've had to kind of cut by the wayside. Yeah, like I try to stay in touch here and there, but... Like if you looked at my phone and you text me twice on Snapchat, you'd probably be in my top two friends list. So I think I've gone to the stage where I'm I'm out of like, you know, trying to keep in touch with everybody. If I open my phone and, you know, your text is there, I have no problem talking to you. It's nothing personal. It's just I'm so busy at the moment, you know, keeping up with everything. And it's it has been evident. I have seen it. I have seen the switch over in terms of a couple of friends that have been, I know, I suppose, haven't been responding to as much. Mm. because I don't want to get into the stage where maybe I do say yes to a night out that I don't want because peer pressure is a very big thing and the the best thing in terms of that is to try to avoid it as much as possible and you're right a lot of people have been I suppose I've completely stopped talking to you and I've realized if I went back talking to them it just leads more towards drinking as well so if I put myself out of that environment and just not even go towards Snapchat or not even go on Instagram now of course there is some great friends of mine who I still talk to on the regular Mm. not as much as I used to but I keep in touch and with those whenever I am with them I enjoy their company that's the difference mm. I enjoy having a drink with them and talking about something that isn't sales yeah, you can yeah. Talk, I can talk about, if you want to talk about carpentry with me for an hour and you're a good mate of mine I don't care I'd rather talk about something else than sales on a night out anyways mm. so like with that I, I do you know I have a drink you know maybe once twice a month and mm. I, I do enjoy my drink. I'm not going to say sit here and, and lie and say, look, I'm I'm on a you know a fast from the drink, and I'm you know doing dry January because I've already failed it three times. Mister <laughs> <laughs> no, Honest, once, mate, can't blame you there. I've only failed it once, but like it's it's definitely been evident, but it hasn't been like something that I've been like actively pursuing. I feel like when you are putting your mind to something else, it'll just happen naturally. Mm. And I suppose if you're actively looking to separate yourself from people who are in those situations you're not doing enough to find something where you can put more of your full effort into and your full focus on Mm. does that make sense yes you think it's more of a natural process that if you put your time and effort into something some relationships will naturally fall by the wayside anyways and it doesn't need to be 
an active form yeah. of cutting them off. And of course, anybody listening to this can take it with a, a pinch of salt because, you know, one man's advice is just his opinion. So like people have different opinions to this, but the way I see it is if you are actively pursuing trying to drop off friends who you know peer pressure you into drinking or taking drugs, you're not focusing on what does matter or you're not focusing on... Well, obviously, it could matter to a lot of people if you are, I suppose, in a very sticky situation in terms of being addicted to drugs. That is a real thing, but mm. you're not focusing on the, something else that keeps your mind off that. And if you fo- if you find something that can and you will focus on better mm. and more than actively pursuing leaving these friends behind, I just see it as a waste of time. Because if you're... <laughs> you haven't really left them behind if you're actively pursuing it. Yeah, I got you. Completely that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. What's your relationship with alcohol like? How do you think that will progress as you go on? Have you got the idea to go sober at some point? Um, Just how do you think about alcohol in general and how it affects your life? See, like, just because I'm Irish, I'm not addicted now, but like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, alcohol, like, myself and alcohol have obviously had, you know, our ups and downs in the past, but like, in terms of performance, like, I don't mind having a glass of wine on the weekend. Mm. I hate, I actually, I uh, despise beer. Beer is disgusting. <laughs> and I'm glad that I hate it because obviously from doing a nutrition in the background and, you know, I used to be an aspiring bodybuilder and all that crack, it was like something that like I tried to avoid, but you, it's hard to avoid when you're 17, 18, 19. And I suppose that my relationship with it in the future, I don't want it to be a vice but I know it probably will be coming out with my 30s and 40s. I love a glass of wine every weekend and I probably will get to that stage and I can already know I can see that happening. Mm. But at the moment, I can say no to it and I don't need it, but I like it. Got you. Like I'm not, I'm not like av- advocating alcohol or anything like that, but I do enjoy my glass of wine here and there. And I think it goes more to like the small things that you do towards your lifestyle and your seeing more as classy. Like if you start doing all these things, it kind of combines to a mindset of I actually am like I, I I was never into watches and I bought a watch for I just it was like a reward for leaving the door to door and then like I started talking to more people who are into watches mm. you start talking to you, you start getting opportunities and you have that open conversation then if I wore a suit out on a night out there's a certain type of people that you can attract towards you mm. if you went on to a fancy restaurant and you dress really well you had a nice watch you have a haircut you're sipping a cocktail at the bar that's the type of people I suppose there's a lot of people there who are fake and whatever but like if you surround yourself with those type of people who are making a lot of money as well you can tell a few people are walking around with Rolexes and Cavan there is rich people everywhere and you, mm. you've said it yourself from a pre- previous conversation that we had yesterday um, in terms of there's a lot of rich people in, in Australia and it's the same with Ireland it's the most ex- expensive place within Europe so I think it's it's the small things as well. So that's that. I think that goes well over the question that you did have with the alcohol. Yeah, definitely. The appearance matters. I think you've just got to find if it's got a place in your life, if it's sustainable and how it affects your future and stuff. And if it works for you, it works for you. With, yeah. with your plans for the future, I'm curious, what does the next year bring for you, both in terms of the, the job? And I'm curious to hear more about your podcast and what the plans are for that. Yes, great question. Um, we love to finish our podcast off with something like this. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the future. Uh, that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think in terms of the job, I'm I'm aiming to hit maybe twenty k this month. 
in commissions. Um, what, what are you doing with then, that money? Because there's only so much you can spend in Alicante and having a great time. So what's the, the rest of that capital being put towards? Just a bunch of strippers and cocaine, really. <laughs> <laughs> He's got some unbridled honesty, don't blame you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll probably, um, I'm not really like too sure, I'm not too fussed, like I know at a point I will come back to Ireland and I'll probably want a fancy car and I'll want a really nice watch and I'll probably want a really nice house with, you know, the regular stuff that you want, um, it'd be more safeguarded towards investments, I do have a portfolio within the stock market that I'm growing, so that's something that's just there and growing and an extra stream of income with everything, you know, shit to hit the fan. Mm. I also see it allocating maybe towards more promotion within the podcast. I can see that doing really well because there's not many podcasts in Ireland. And with ours, we can see it being scalable because the amount of people that we have helped. We said, if we look, if we can help one or two people, um, all the better. Like it's, it's something similar to what we've been talking about on this podcast, but every week and then with other people who are like in similar situations and showing different ways to make money online and different ways to, I suppose, make college not the be all and end all. Mm. So is that hence the name Dropout Diaries? But I suppose <laughs> even with the podcast, we have like one of the top guys in Ireland for a podcast Saturday. He has like 450k on Instagram. Mm. So it'd be, it, we're we're mixing with people who can give us that exposure. Yeah. And perhaps maybe down the line, I would love to get a sponsor for the podcast over the next year. That's definitely going to be in the works probably within the next few months. So we're kind of setting ourselves up in terms of you know being on with these big people getting this promotion, getting the, I suppose, exposure out there. Mm. And then I suppose a bit short form content comes in there, having a bit of crack showing off your personality. It really, it really shows. And like, that's why I really like this podcast. It's more just easy going, more of a conversation, nothing really forced. And that's where a lot of those podcasts, like if you listen to my first one, it sounds a lot more amateur. It sounds a lot more forced. It sounds like we're reading off a script where with the podcast we have now, it's more like, you know, an open conversation, just like with this one. Um, but in terms of the goals with that, it's probably I want to hit like maybe 30k a month, then hit 40k. So I'm just hitting it in increments. If you asked me when I went into Portugal in November, I told my close friend that, look, I want to hit 10k a month by the end of next year. Mm. And now you're already at 10k, 20k, thinking 13, 40. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but look, it's definitely going to line up to maybe do something similar to that amount and then aim for higher. I think. It's it's just it's monetary wise that's probably what's going to happen if I keep the consistency bringing in the right people expanding the team expanding the leads more calls being booked more calls being taken more closes more money at the bottom line so if you take that analogy and you just push it towards and you do unre an unrelentless amount of work like this this it takes up a huge amount of time I realize like I start work at like twelve right. And now it's two in the morning and I'm still ready to take another three sales calls and maybe have another cup of coffee. And I think <laughs> that's, that is a crazy work ethic. Impressive as it's fuck. A, it's a crazy, it's, it's crazy. But at the same time, like I do have my, you know, breaks. I do, you know, stop and, you know, maybe play a game of chess or something, but, and have a glass of water, a bit to eat. That's where the family is great in terms of, you know, for uh, providing food and, making dinners if I was doing that it would be just like I'd be I'd, I'd see that as a waste of like an hour and a half two hours in the day like if, I don't know if you've ever seen Alex and Rosie's uh, thoughts on this where he would just order takeout at its big, when his business was at the beginning because it would just take up too much of his time yeah, and I, I went there I go out food's there I'm like brilliant I can have this in 10 minutes and I can go back to it mm. like let me fill up my water and I'm going straight back into it 
And then if it did get too much, I can go out to the back to go to the gym. And maybe with Alicante, I can, like, you know, if it is too much, I, I can just walk outside. Whereas now, if I walk outside and freeze my balls off, and <laughs> I think I think it just goes to show where I don't even know where I'm leading with this. It's just kind of snowballing into a full conversation about something and not really going anywhere at the same time. But <laughs> that sometimes ha- has happened a lot in the podcast that you start a thought and over time you just kind of decipher into something else and go down ra- different rabbit holes. But I think you'll find this that the more podcasts you do yourself as well you get better at formulating thoughts and you get better at articulating yourself and being able to lead the conversation a certain way. And I'm sure you probably know that from sales as well. Yeah. With all this being said, I think the future for you is going to be fucking really exciting. Like I'm, I'm buzzing to see where you go with everything, the podcast and the sales as well. Um, I think that as, I think we've needed that in the school system for so long for kids to know that there is another option other than just go through that education system and just be fed into the same system, do the same shit job and not enjoy it. They need to be aware that there's other things to offer. And I remember being in high school at that point and just being told, right, you have to go to uni. That's the only way to do things. Nope, you can't go and get a modern apprenticeship. You can't do anything else. You have to go to uni. So the podcast has definitely got like a super super relevant place within not even just Irish society but British society as well with all yeah. this I think you've given a really good insight into what you do what the future is everything in terms of surrounding yourself so one thing I always finish off on with the podcast is I talk about character of the person I'm interviewing and I ask you to be a bit self-analytical and this one's a bit hard to do because you need to be really honest and really raw so my question to you is what is one thing you think people close to you admire about you? And what is it one thing that you think people dislike or wish you would do better? Yeah, I'm going to use that on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've copyrighted that, mate. You can't steal that. I'm sorry. Let's get IP on it. Yeah, that that was a great compilation of... Compilation? What type of word is that? Combination of words. <laughs> you've put together there because yeah that's that's making me thinking i suppose it's it, funny enough the worst ca- i suppose character trait that i had at the beginning of the year was my lack of communication and the lack of getting my point across so that's actually funny now that you've actually made me think about that in terms of the position i was in in january in terms of not being able to get my point across not being able to argue not being able to i suppose sell whatever I could but even in a, on a personal level in terms of having an open conversation about what's not going right in you know relationships family etc etc right now if you were to ask me that I think the worst thing from my character that other people are saying just how I suppose honest Honestly. I can be I think I think I, I come I can sometimes come across as like a cunt in terms of being way too honest, okay, and being yeah. way too analytical of others, and I suppose speaking my own mind in that regards, and not, I suppose, I just need to treat it better in that regards in terms of being able to say, look, X, Y, and Z can get you to X amount, but you're doing this and you don't need to be doing that, and like that can be put towards a lot of different people in terms of getting that across, and you can touch heads, and I think that's where you know you mentioned earlier in the podcast in terms of you know with people that you've been talking to, your old friends, 
how you can move on from them and it comes with the character with the character building if they don't like the character that you're morphing into then naturally they won't, don't want to talk to you mm. and i think the best thing i suppose people have like admired probably just the work ethic and um, constantly trying to be better constantly trying to improve myself in terms of not just myself but people around me and one thing that one of my mentors brought up to me not yesterday the day before was like the heart that i have and how much myself helping other people has helped me drive towards this position in terms of i want to be sales manager i want to employ people and give them the chance to be able to work from anywhere i want them to have the i suppose the chance where instead of making 1600 you know minimum wage you can make 10k a month here Mm. and it's about offering that opportunity there and teaching people and naturally i think i'm more of a teacher where i can get my points across i can teach people how to be like me not everybody is going to be at the same level as you but you can get into an adequate position in order to be able to succeed and i think that was one thing that was brought up in terms of one of the mentors that kind of you know changed the perspective not well not changed perspective but like just made me aware that like look fair enough he actually put a, a word to what i was doing he put a he he kind of he put it into a sentence that made sense and i think is correct so i think that would be the best way and i suppose from your initial thoughts what would you say from that yeah i mean the thing about you you said first of all that you thought you were maybe too honest and you came off as a cunt sometimes i think what you've mentioned in this podcast is that understanding your audience and your frame is super important and i think that applies to conversations outside of sales as well it's like, I am like that as well, where I'm super logical and analytical and honest. But I've kind of discovered over time that some people, like there's a right way and a wrong way to use it. And you can be really honest and forthcoming while still understanding that frame and who your audience are as well. So there's definitely yeah. like a right way to frame it while just being completely honest as well. So I think that's just something like I'm not perfect at either. I don't think most people are, but I think it's something you hone over time. And it's good that it comes from a basis of, like, morally you are rightly honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, morally, that's a great thing to come from rather than being dishonest. In terms of the the work ethic and stuff and what people admire about you, it's always a hard one to answer because you never want to fucking talk up yourself. Like, oh, I'm fucking yeah, the best of this and the best of that. It's a really difficult one. It's a really difficult one to answer but yeah i would say just your kind of forthcomingness about even the accessibility to the information that you're giving me you're very honest about like what you were making a month and what is it you sell and how you go about it and for me from the outside looking into all the sales guys on money twitter and stuff it's all really really ambiguous so having this conversation with you to understand a bit more about how all that works super insightful so yeah that i think that honesty is just like such a double-edged sword and it's i think it's probably one of your best traits as well mate but um yeah. I, th- that breaks up the recurring set i have a recurring segment on this podcast <laughs> where i just compliment <laughs> my guests at the end so yeah that was <laughs> that was that mate um i think we'll finish off there mate because that's the perfect way to end that and then yeah i hope everyone yeah, no got problem. a lot of value from listening to it is there anything you want to um say to anyone or anything you kind of want to plug or anything just at the end of this um well look i don't really have anything in terms of anything else to talk to you about apart from you know if you want to hear more uh listen to maybe 
after episode three or four of the Dropout Diaries on Spotify. <laughs> it gets, it gets, actually, number two is very good as well, but it gets incrementally better over time. And think about that when you are listening in terms of the, the growth. And you actually see that within it, which is actually pretty cool because it's a way of, I suppose, giving ourselves accountability in terms of, you know, Liam said, you know, put that on Twitter. If I put it out there and if I don't do it, you know, people are going to notice and people are going to respect me less. So that's a good way to go about life as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Bye. There we are.